The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. What makes us take up causes others think are impossible? What draws others to the cause, bonds us together, and gives us an inexhaustible energy and an unwavering belief that we'll succeed? I'll draw on my own experiences and talk to fellow champions about the successes, setbacks, and team dynamics that move causes forward. I'm Marvin Stockwell, and welcome to Champions of the Lost Causes podcast. On today's show, Ward Archer, president of Protect Our Aquifer, whose opposition to the Bahalia Connection Pipeline has been front page news recently. Ward's advocacy for the Memphis Sand Aquifer, though, goes back almost 20 years to when he was working to stop a logging company from clear-cutting near the headwaters of the Wolf River and first learned of the aquifer. We'll talk about the aquifer's ancient origins, the incredible drinking water it produces, and the many challenges Ward and his group face in protecting the aquifer from the encroachment of industry. All that and more on Champions of the Lost Causes. Ward Archer, thanks so much for being on the show today. Happy to be here. Yeah. If if you could back up for our listeners and, and just explain how the the championing the cause of our aquifer and, and the establishment of Protect Our Aquifer uh, came, to, came to be, the kind of origin story, if you will, um, and, and just so people kind of know, can wrap their arms around the issue. Well, for me personally, it, it goes back to about the year 2000. Um, when I was uh, asked to help the Wolf River Conservancy raise money for uh, to to buy some land at the headwaters of the Wolf River, which was going to be clear cut by a logging company, and as part of that process, I I was asked to go on a tour of the headwaters, and I went out there with uh, Larry Smith, who's a great environmentalist and who's now at the Shelby County Health Department. Um, and he took me out to Baker's Pond, which is a source of the Wolf River. And we were walking around this place, which is pretty, it's pretty cool, but it's like, I mean, there's no sign that says beginning of the Wolf River, source of the Wolf River. Um, but we were walking around and, and, and I noticed we were walking in sand. And I said, Larry, why is there so much sand here? And he goes, this is where the Memphis sand aquifer comes up to the surface. I said, really? I said, yeah, this is where the water, this is a recharge zone for the aquifer and the water goes in here and it takes thousands of years for it to get to, you know, Midtown Memphis, say. And anyway, so that, that was that. And we, we did, uh, not because of me, but we were able to save the forest. <laughs> uh, but I kept thinking about the aquifer and I, and I you know, I, I, I've always known there was one. I, I just hadn't contemplated, you know, how big it was. And so I, I started kind of poking around studying about it. And, um, and then I got really into it and I said, you know, the city needs to really understand what this is because it's just so unique. We're the largest city in the country that gets all of its water from the ground. And that kind of makes us, you know, unique. Uh, Nashville gets their water from surface water. So does most of the rest of Tennessee. Uh, and in fact, most, most cities do get it from surface water. 
Um, so is that what makes Memphis water so good, so delicious? So yeah, well, you know, the, the most of the water that we drink um, today is thousands of years old, which is you know that's pre-industrial, that's pre-plastics, uh-huh. pre-insecticides, and all these things. Um, and it it does go through a very long filtration process on its way to being in the main aquifer here below the city. So yeah, that is what makes it taste so good. And they don't have to do much to it at the water treatment plant. They have to take iron out, out of it. Um, and in fact, it, there's a story that there used to be a well in Overton Park that people would go to because it, 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 it was straight into the aquifer and it, and it had the iron in it and people thought the oh. iron was good, you know, yeah. like eating turnip greens or something. Uh, right. So anyway, I went down the rabbit hole on studying about this and wound up writing a long form piece for Memphis Magazine about it, which took a year. And in that process, I met, you know, all the people involved in water in, in the city and in, in the state, really. You know, the, the TDAC people, the, the uh, what was then called the Groundwater Institute at the University of Memphis, Brian Waldron, uh, sort of. Uh, let me ask him a million questions. Uh, and uh, there was a guy at the, who's now retired at uh, MLGW who was named, his name, I'll never forget, was Charlie Pickle. And uh, he, he was really good to me and let me go on a, on a crew that was digging some new wells out in Lakeland. Uh, and anyway, I, I sort of Finally, got enough information in my head that I was able to write the story, and uh, and it, it got published in like maybe two thousand four, five, something like that. And so, you know, I had that in my head, and and uh, fast forward to uh, two thousand sixteen, and I learned that uh, TBA was building a new natural gas plant here to make electricity. And they had planned to use uh, wastewater to cool the plant. And that was in all their public documents, but they changed their mind and they sort of behind the scenes uh, dug five wells into the aquifer and they were gonna use drinking water uh, to cool the plant. And it was gonna be a lot, it was gonna be close to 2 billion gallons a year. Wow. Uh, and my first reaction when I heard that was, that's just so wasteful, you know, it's just so wasteful. Sure. Anyway, so the Sierra Club had a public meeting on this at the library and I showed up and uh, that's, that's where I first became friendly with Scott Banbury, I think. I mean, I yeah. knew him, but I didn't know him like I know him now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh scott put together a great panel uh had the people from the university of memphis there all the scientists the head of mlgw and uh, a few consultants and we all talked about it and we just uh, everybody thought it was crazy um so we started protesting this um and then uh we we learned that um the health department had approved all five wells. 
Mm. Uh, I I think there were two that hadn't been approved yet. And that's when we sort of found out about it. And then they, they had to approve them. I mean, they, they, uh, well, they didn't have to, but they did. I should say that. Mm -hmm. that Uh, What form did the protesting take at first? Um, well, uh, you know, letter writing, telephoning, um, Uh finding out more information, uh, more public meetings, uh, and, and it, it was really a pretty compressed time period. I mean, this meeting sure. was, was, I believe, in August, and then um, it was in October that we uh, formally appealed the approval of the last two wells to to the groundwater board, and that was a real. Uh, intense situation um, uh-huh. because I, there there had never been an appeal of a well. You know, <laughs> they didn't know what to do. Uh, oh wow! Uh, it's I guess it's a fairly perfunctory thing. You know, in 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 many instances. Let me ask you this real quick, uh, just to kind of set the scene. Was the Sierra Club kind of the lead agency there with this with you kind of leading a group of citizens or? Um, and maybe I'm jumping ahead in the story a little bit, but 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 at what point did uh, uh, Protect Our Aquifer uh, incorporate, become a 501c3, um, uh, et cetera? Or was in the early days, it was a group of concerned citizens plus the Sierra Club? Well, the Sierra Club was, was the first to uh, file the appeal to the Groundwater Board. And Scott and I talked and uh, he said, you know, um, you should start a not-for-profit to help with this. Uh, And really, our charge then was we thought we would be behind the scenes. Maybe we could raise some money, which we did. And and we hired a, you know, attorney. um, And, um, we had our asses handed to us at the groundwater board appeal. Wow. I mean, TBA, so. TBA came in there. I mean, it was like a battleship of guys in dark suits. They wow. had consultants flown in from all over the country, you know, professional, uh, you know, you know, hydrologists, plant designers, cooling experts, you know, climate people, the works. And, we had tried to get experts and in fact had some, but we would have to subpoena them uh, because they, they can't just show up. They have to be subpoenaed. Like, you know, Interesting. yeah. So TVA uh, and, and it was unclear in the groundwater uh, appeal, you know, rules, if, if that could be done or not. Well, TVA jumped in there and, and made sure that we couldn't have any, people uh, testify. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I've got a photograph of, of our side of the room with these two rows, rows of stacked chairs, and each one of them has on it witness, witness, witness. I mean, we were all uh-huh. <laughs> So poor Scott Banbury was drug out in the middle of the room and sat in the chair, and these, these lawyers, and I'll never forget it, and in fact, I, I still, I'm not over it, uh, but they also got uh, two, two of the board members who were sympathetic, we think, to our case, they got them to 
recuse themselves from the vote. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, and so, um, so the, the vote came down uh, <clears throat> seven to zero with two of the votes being, uh, you know, held back because they were had to recuse themselves. Uh-huh. So now, then, was that something that you appealed? Yes. That's okay. when we, we, you know, actually put a board together, became a nonprofit, and we, we filed an appeal in Chancery Court. TVA had it moved to federal court, and it got thrown out on a technicality about two months later. And it, it, uh, so following that, it was just uh, total serendipity. Um, on the day we filed that, that suit, Steve Cohen called and said, hey, um, the chairman of TVA is going to be in my office in D.C. tomorrow. Would you like to be here? And I had to ask the lawyers, sure. So I flew up there and uh, oh wow, and and practically popped out of the closet in Steve's office. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here this guy was, and uh, and we talked. And I said, you know, do you understand um, how close these pumps are to the coal ash ponds? And do you understand how the people of our, our city feel about this? And 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 he he said. You know, I thought this was a fundraiser for the Sierra Club. You know, the whole, <laughs> whole right. thing. And so uh, we talked about, you know, one day they would build a secondary treatment plant so that they could use the wastewater. Up, 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 you know, according to TBA, the wastewater mm-hmm. across the street from them, and, and, it, and it really is. The the South treatment plant is a is a stone's throw from the TVA plant, mm-hmm. and it does something like a hundred million gallons a day, plenty of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, and and they need you know seven to ten million gallons a day. So you, you, all you would have to clean up further would be seven to ten million gallons. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I I might be open to that someday if if somebody would partner with us and yada yada yada. Well, um, so we got the, the case got thrown out and, and then because of the Barack Obama coal ash rule, which more or less stated that if you have coal ash, you have to release data um, about contamination on a regular basis. TVA had to release some information about their coal ash pond and that's when we all learned that the upper aquifer was contaminated with arsenic and uh, boron wow. and several other things. And when that happened, um, we we got with TDAC, the Tennessee Department of Environment Conservation, and, and they came to Memphis and they had a meeting and we all showed up. It was pretty intense, but they demanded the TVA conduct a test of these five wells to see if they would draw water down from the coal ash pond. Right. So am I, am I hearing so you right? Did. Am I hearing you right? This gave you new cards to play when this new when this new uh, coal ash thing came down. It gave you kind of a a new line of inquiry. Yeah, it, it was exactly what we what what we needed, and it just fell out of the sky. That's great. Actually, TBA gave it to us, um, and. So they did the pump test and they had, it's a, you know, 
they got the USGS involved, the University of Memphis scientists, and this Stantec outfit that actually puts together all these scientific uh, reports. Um, they conducted the pump test in in one day. I mean, they they turn all the pumps on. Mm-hmm. They they you know captured the data, and it took uh, I don't know, six nine months for them to release this information. It was maddening, and when it came out, it said, "Yeah, it it it's it, it it's not only pulling it down; it's immediately pulling it down." So had they run those things, um, we would have had an environmental catastrophe uh-huh. in, in, in that part of the aquifer in, you know, a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got, we got the, the uh, pumps shut down and they had to bring in a line from, you know, Memphis like gas and water, which mm-hmm. is better than them pulling the water out of the aquifer and contaminating it. But they're that's still true. using drinking water to this day to cool the aquifer. And that's wasteful, but at least it's not uh, additionally contaminating. Right. So uh, now how much did you all have to press them to, uh, I guess, did you have to file Freedom of Information Acts uh, to get them to pressure them to release that data? Well, I should say that at this point, we we had teamed up and had been adopted by the Southern Environmental Law Center. Oh, which great! Has been a godsend. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have a whole team of people that that help us. They have scientists on call. They have experts, um, and they will get the information. I mean, they have foiled mm-hmm. more <laughs> stuff than I can count. Uh, and and they they are not afraid of PVA and and, and in fact we're still um, engaged with TVA over how they're going to clean up these coal ash ponds. You mean the ones that already existed? Yes. In, in the yeah, did you call it the upper aquifer? Well, um, the the. Uh, the East Coal Ash Pond, which is the one that was still being used, mm-hmm. um, that's the one that, that had contaminated the upper aquifer. But see. they are going to actually dig up all the coal ash and take it to a safe place. Oh, wow. And, and, which is a whole other story. But, and, and they're going to, we are, we are trying to get them to also clean up the groundwater that's in the ground. And that's already underway. I mean, they have already pumped uh, most of the water out of the East Coal Ash Pond. Right. So, um, it, you know, it's amazing to kind of hear you unpack your the kind of origin story of your involvement. I had no idea that it went back so far uh, for you. Uh, and, and as a as a you know, I'm a Memphis Homer. Uh, kind of across the board, but uh, but that 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 includes our water. You know, like we've all been in another city, and you taste the water, and you're like, oh gosh, <laughs> you know, what I wouldn't give for some Memphis water. Um, but you know, it's obviously it's something we just we, we take for granted um, uh, after a, a while. But it, at what point? So so you have a, a very long history with the issue. Uh, Remind me of the chronology again. Um, Protect Our Aquifer came online in what year? 
we we formed up in December of 2016, and we had our first board meeting in January of 2017. Uh huh. And, and I remember and it wasn't. By the way, that was not an easy task to 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 get uh, 10, 10 people to get on a board that's involved in a lawsuit. Um, sure. And the so the first thing we did was was we uh, got some directors and officers liability insurance. Mm -hmm. so, um, I, I know that like with my own uh, cause that I have championed the, the, the Coliseum, which I'm, we're now, you know, a good six years into this work. I know that at the outset, uh, the people who cared all seemed to kind of materialize out of the ether a little bit. Uh, and it's like, and, and as I've interviewed people in this podcast, I realized that's a, that's a really common refrain. It's like, you know, the, the, the people kind of somewhat materialized, although, although in your instance, um, I feel like, you know, people signing on to something that by its very nature already had conflict uh, as, as an animating agent, was that, was that difficult to get people to, to sign on? Or did you have some, did the people who really wanted to, um, Put their hand on the plow, so to speak. Um, kind of accept that uh, as as kind of a just. I mean, obviously, I guess they signed up, didn't they? But could you talk a little bit about that process and 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 how how did that feel to stare down conflict yourself and realizing you're a businessman in Memphis and and everything? Like, did you worry about your own reputation? Because that's I guess that's part of the calculation for anybody. Well, I guess I felt so strongly that that this was a wrong. This this was just a wrong-headed move, the whole thing. And 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 you know, we didn't think I didn't think we would be around more than a year. I thought it was a temporary thing. You know, we're gonna do this TVA deal and then we'll go yeah. back, crawl in, into our beds. Well, in the in the two years of that deal, we discovered um the groundwater board uh doesn't have the resources to properly manage the aquifer. There's no one in charge. Uh, and all these decisions are being made without taking the aquifer into account. For example, um, you know, I guess we were a year or so into it when we found out about this landfill that was gonna be put in the flood zone of the Wolf River in the Nutbush neighborhood. Hmm. And, you know, it was, it was going to be a construction landfill, which is when that stuff gets wet, all sorts of bad chemicals and things come out of it. And the wolf in places mm -hmm. is connected to the aquifer. Um, so you, and so right. since then, we've had four applications for dumps like this. Uh, and we've mm -hmm. beat all but one of them, and we haven't given up on that one yet. It's still... Uh, mm -hmm. it's still not approved so but but it you know it there's there's no i mean i mean they go to the land use control board and and they say well this is the this is the this is the property and this is where it is so here it is on the map we'd like to put in a construction landfill approved you know and there's no one there huh. from tdac there's no one there from the health department uh we're there i mean we're, we're the ones ringing right. the bell which which is getting to be you stepped into yeah, the void which is starting to to you know it kind of makes you angry when you think you know here we are volunteers doing what's what should be done um 
and 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 it's not being done. And there's so much contamination in I, Shelby County. You can't, or you, or there's a fish advisory on every moving body of water in Shelby County. Uh huh. You know, as as you explain that, um, I, you know, I I went through a similar process. Uh, uh, and and you know what's funny is I, one of the my early guests on the podcast was Todd Richardson. And I'd heard his stump speech uh, a couple times about Crosstown Concourse because I'd worked at Church Health and all along the arc of that building being renovated. So um, he said, uh, you know, at the outset, I told people I'm not interested in a process that's going to take five years. <laughs> of course, it took him seven years. It took him and that, and that plucky bunch seven years to open Crosstown Concourse. And of course, they're still working, right? The, the building is an active project to make it be its best and fulfill on its what it said it's it wants to be at the outset. Uh, similarly, uh, when when I my own involvement was such that I at first just saw Mike McCarthy sounding off on Facebook, and I thought, okay, Marv, you're you're a you're a PR guy. You can reach out. So I reached out to Mike and just said, hey, look, why don't you have I'll liaise with the with the commercial appeal and 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 get an op ed, pitch an op ed, and you can write it. I'll act as your editor. You know, at no point in the early earliest of days did I think I was signing up for something that I'd still be working on <laughs> six years later. But of course, that's that's how this kind of work gets at you. It just it all of a sudden you find, or it was my experience that you just feel the righteous indignation, and I, and I hear it in your story too, Ward. Is is like you're almost just swept out to sea. It's like you you must act. It's like it's like you're you're. Uh, your more aspirational self, uh, uh, and you know, just just has to take action. You can't help yourself. Yeah, you know? I, um, yeah I, I I can totally see the similarities. I uh, yeah, um, and 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 they and the other thing that that sort of happened, in, you know, in this four year time period, is is sort of the backdrop on a national and really a global basis of a freshwater crisis. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a, a person on the board whose sister, I believe, lives in, um, in California and, and her, uh, water bill at her home is $260. Huh. And you know, that, that water is not good, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so we are sitting on what could be one of the largest, um, you know, underground uh, holding of, of, you know, mm -hmm. fresh water in, in the United States. And right. And this is what a treasure. Yeah. And, and this is a multi-state aquifer, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. really a, a formation that was left here when the ocean came up here, you know, millions of years ago. And, and when it receded, it left these layers of sand and gravel and clay, and they filled up with water. And um, that's what makes the whole thing work. I mean, it, it's it's just, you know, if the sand was not as coarse as it is, the water would not move through it. Huh. Um, it, it's just, uh, the whole thing is just a miracle. And, and, it's a and natural it, wonder, really. Yeah, and and so um, 
what what we're trying to do long term is is to make sure we're in a sustainable situation. Right now, we really don't know how much we're taking out. We don't know what the recharge rate is. Um, oh, that's interesting. I was going to ask about that. And, Do you think we're overusing it? Well, I can't say for sure, mm-hmm. but I can tell you this, that, um, you know, there's, there's a study being done right now about uh, parts of, of our community in, in Shelby County where the protective layer of clay, uh, which is what seals off the methysand aquifer from the upper mm-hmm. aquifer. Now, this layer of clay, uh, we, we have learned in the last 20 years, there are areas such as down by the TVA plant where, mm-hmm. where there is no layer of clay or, or it has vaults and, and cracks in it and, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's very thin. And when you have that near a MLGW pumping station, instead of pulling more aquifer water from the Memphis sand aquifer, the easier thing for it to do to recharge itself is to pull it down from the surface. Mm, So we have several well fields now in Shelby County, like the Davis well field in South Memphis, that has a lot of modern water, as they call it, mixed in with with the ancient water. And they uh, they can date that water by using um by searching for radioactive tritium which is uh what the government gave us 50 some odd years ago when they tested all the atomic bombs and all that oh. the atmosphere so Gosh. anytime you find tritium in the water you know that it's new water mm-hmm. so that's we would rather keep the 40 year old bourbon so to speak <laughs> intact <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, that's well put, and, and that's a really complicated thing to do. So, um, I guess, um, I believe that we are taking out too much because that is happening because the water table is is down over a hundred feet since we began pumping. Yeah, uh, and I know there are. There are some counties in Arkansas that take twice as much out of the ground every day as Shelby County uh, hmm. for agriculture. What and, are the rules? Oh, so go, I'm, I was just going to say, what are the rules that govern? Like, it's, it's 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 an interesting problem to have since it's a multi it's a it's a multi state um, project because you get into jurisdictional issues. Uh, I would imagine that uh, make it mean that you this isn't just about fighting TVA maybe that was the 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 entry point for your your um, advocacy but um but how do you form a broader coalition what what has that work been been like to find the other people who care in the other jurisdictions and how, how do you work together with them well since the beginning um i have personally wanted to focus on shelby county because i felt it was doable you know mm-hmm. Um, the politics are fairly right. Um, it's 755 square miles. If, if we can get our act together here and, and better monitor and manage the aquifer, we would really do ourselves a big favor. 
Mm -hmm. uh, that's not to say we aren't thinking long term that it's got to be, you know, a interstate project. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the, the uh, legendary uh, Supreme Court case between Mississippi and Tennessee, I don't, I don't know if you know about that, but they, I've read a few things in the paper, but I'm yeah. sure you understand the issue way better than me. Uh, well, on the day, you know, it, it was about the same time that I published that article in, in 2004 or something or five. I, I don't know the mm -hmm. date. I'm sorry, but the state of Tennessee sued Memphis and MLG and W because they felt like our pumps, you know, down by the South border, uh, we're, we're pulling their water into them. And so that turned into a uh, lawsuit that has yet to be resolved, although it's in its, we, we believe it's in its final stages. Um, and they had to change the lawsuit to where they, it's now Mississippi versus Tennessee. And I believe uh, Mississippi wanted six or seven hundred million dollars in damages and Tennessee mm -hmm. wanted to get the case dismissed and anyway it, it bounced around the court forever and ever and ever uh, the Supreme Court uh, assigned a special master to it he had his final hearings on it last year and uh, his recommendation to the Supreme Court is that um, he doesn't think the state of Mississippi has a case. And so he ruled in favor of Tennessee. All Tennessee wanted to do was get it dismissed. But the, but the special master did say that if Mississippi wants to, they can amend their complaint and ask for apportionment, which would be, you know, Tennessee and Mississippi sitting down at a table and working out how to share the water, which mm. is what we ultimately need to do. So although sure. we're, we're glad we're not having to pay all this money to Mississippi, we do think that uh, at least Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi should be sitting, or sitting around the table to, mm -hmm. to make sure that we have a uh, sustainable uh, situation. Right. It would, yeah. it would strike me as that that would take uh, some hard work, uh, but that if you could work that through, uh, you would have precedent. You would have uh, at least if you had agreement. In other words, you'd have you'd have a, almost a stronger solidarity to then work to safeguard it with all people having their stake clearly identified. Is that the way you see it? Yes. Yeah. In fact, we we have become close to this organization in, in, in Texas called the Edwards Aquifer Authority. Mm -hmm. And it's an eight state authority, which was born out of a federal court case. Hmm. Um, one year there was a bad drought uh, and the streams all went dry. San Antonio didn't have enough water and the Sierra Club took them to court and the case was won on an endangered species deal because the, the you know the streams were going dry, the fish were dying. Which which seems like interesting. a interesting 
yeah, it seems like a real stretch, but that's that's <laughs> yeah. how it was born. And they're huh. they're regularly in court because uh, you know that's the way water is. But they they now have, uh, I think, the best aquifer management system in the world. Uh, they have about a forty million dollar budget, which comes from uh, you know water rights and. Uh, fees that people pay who use water and they have a uh, hundred employees and half of them are scientists. Wow. So you, you think that's what's on offer here? Like, in other words, if there's an analog here, then, you know, this dispute gave rise to this adjudicating body and, and, and this kind of clear path forward. You think um, what the work you're doing now um, may kind of ultimately set up to where we might get that type of unity, that kind of funding? I fear that, that it's going to be difficult to do without court action, um, which is why we've chosen to remain independent and why we, we, um, you know, if, if someone's doing something wrong, we will take action. I mean, we're, we're not, um, beholden to, uh, any, any other group. Um, we, we had an interesting conversation with a, consultant about a month ago who is kind of working in the same area and and he said you know you've got to think of it as a biozone you know Mm -hmm. you've got to get like-minded people in arkansas and like-minded people in mississippi and and in tennessee to agree that we have to manage this resource uh or you know, we're going to really hurt ourselves. And yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that, that sounds great. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, and, and I hope it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, you know, it's sort of the idea of the commons, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what gives TVA the right to pull water out of the ground for free? Right. And, right. And, and turn it into steam. You know, there was an interesting case. Uh, one of the good things that's happened since the TVA lawsuit was that it caused the groundwater board to uh, improve their regulations. I think they were really embarrassed by having voted for those wells and approved them and then to find out they yeah. would have contaminated the aquifer and, and they didn't have the information and TVA was blowing smoke, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so now, um, well, let me back up before TVA, um, getting a well permit was not a public process. Uh, getting a class a well, which is, which is a big well, uh, you just go to the health department, you pay your hundred bucks and they, they, you fill out some paperwork and there's a few things you have to check off, but, and no one even knows about it. So there are water wells all over. So there's a thousand, there, there's a thousand private wells, we believe in Shelby County. Um, and there's some really big industrial water users. And most of these big water users are starting to, uh, understand that they've got to be they they've got to participate and they've got to uh you know conserve the water 
we had and, uh-huh. and 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 so what happens now when 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 someone applies for a well this this a class a well which is a big one it's automatically appealed to the groundwater board and that's a public meeting which we're at every oh point. okay and there was a case uh in 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 october i believe where um western oil which is now owned by this canadian company called uh richardson i believe but this is this is where all the western oil is made it's in midtown memphis it's just south of lamar um mm-hmm. they it's it's a it's a 60 or 70 year old plant you know and um, mm-hmm. they use a million one hundred thousand gallons of water a day. Wow! And we 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 discovered in this groundwater board meeting that the that the water isn't used to make the oil; it's used to cool the plant. Uh, huh? And it and it's single pass water, meaning that it 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 just goes in. Uh, cools goes into a holding tank and then into the sewer huh. uh, wow which is which is that that use is now technically um not allowed in shelby county you can't use single pass water for cooling it's gotta it's gotta be you know recycled right but were they grandfathered in uh well they had these wells um for many, many years. And what happened was the wells were beginning to fail. Mm-hmm. And what that sometimes means is they aren't deep enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it means that, that there's, a, there's a construction issue with it, like the casings too old or whatever, but sometimes it's that they're not getting enough water. Mm-hmm. So um, they approved the well permit on the condition that they would take steps to uh, get the water to be recycled. Well, and, and so who's going to, who's going to follow up on that? You know, you guys, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've been down there and we were trying to find where where does the water come out, you know? And it is the, it is the oddest thing I've ever seen. Uh, we looked and looked and looked and we finally were walking down this railroad track. And there's this vacant lot with this ancient looking uh, uh, bricked in creek, uh, mm-hmm. like three, like three feet wide and about three feet deep and water's just gushing out of it. Wow. Across this field. I thought, there it is. <laughs> and it's going into a storm drain uh-huh. and it winds up in a, what's the name of the creek? Is it Cane Creek? Uh, in South Memphis, which is a, man, that's a whole nother subject is surface water, but. Mm -hmm. It sounds like to me that, you know, you went into this with a very limited, um, like, like you were saying, like, we'll we'll show up, we'll do a few things and then we'll be done, you know? Uh, And it's like, the more you peel back the onion, the more you realize how multifaceted um, uh, this cause is or how, much this the cause of our own aquifer is connected to other issues around water um it uh i think that there's a natural kind of underestimation if we stop to pause to realize what we were getting into our kind of left brain thinking 
uh, uh, would maybe stop us, right? Uh, but our kind of passionate hearts are what lead us into these things. And I, I just, I, it, it should be said, and I probably should have said this earlier on in the interview, but I just have a, have a, a deep admiration for the work that you're doing. Um, I, I did before we had a chance to talk and I, and I appreciate it all the more um, now that we've had a chance to talk, but how do you, how do you set, um, how has, how has the concept of what you all are setting out to do evolved and what has been the discussion of, of how far you think you can take it? Cause obviously you have to set some boundaries around, um, your, your, your work. I mean, you know, the Coliseum coalition is concerned with the Coliseum. Yes. I formed a separate nonprofit to, called um, Friends of the Fairgrounds to look at the entire land parcel to see, you know, what the surrounding uh, land parcel uh, issues were. But like, ultimately, that other group, Friends of the Fairgrounds, did it did its work, submitted a kind of uh, executive summary. And I still kind of, I, I wear that hat and I always am evaluating what else, what's happening on the fairgrounds site with that in mind. But the, the real actual work project is the Coliseum Coalition. So, I guess my point is a project has to find natural boundaries. And what's been the discussion uh, uh, with Protect Our Aquifer about how your your uh, charge has evolved? Well, um, we have completed a strategic plan, our, our, our second one. Oh, great. Um, and and there, there's, there's two main things that we're trying to do. One, is we want to get uh, want to establish uh, better monitoring and management of the aquifer, and whether that means we we improve the groundwater board, or we we have a, a West Tennessee Water Authority, or or, or uh, some entity that's created. Um, that's that's what we want to see happen. And secondly, uh, we believe that we'll always have to be uh, playing the role of uh, of a watchdog, um, uh-huh. because you know once you get something established, uh, like for example MLG and W. I mean, you would think that they would they would be playing a much bigger role in. In, in taking care of the aquifer than they are. Um, we're having a, a very difficult time right now just getting them to oppose the Bahalia Connection Pipeline, which is going to route directly through the Davis Wellfield in South Memphis. Uh, mm-hmm. You would think, yeah, most of these things like this are, are it's just common sense. You know, when you get your water from the ground, you don't put oil in the ground. You know, you don't let that kind of stuff happen. Seems obvious. And, and you know, if this was 1940 and we didn't know all we know now, you know, I, I, I could see a lot of these things continuing to happen, but it's not. This is 2021. Mm-hmm. Wake up, you know. Um, is that part of the problem that, that a lot of these laws and, and, uh, and procedures and protocols were just founded at a time where there wasn't this consciousness and the the consciousness has not i guess you all are the consciousness that is that is setting out to reform the outdated systems is that how you see it there are a lot of laws on the books 
that aren't being enforced. Um, in, in fact, if you were to read the uh, founding mandate of the groundwater, Shelby County Groundwater Board, I mean, it sounds like protect our aquifer's mission statement. You know, we're going to do right. remediation. We're going to, you're going to take care of it. We're going to monitor it. You know, we're going to uh, make sure we don't contaminate it. Uh, make sure it's sustainable. None of that stuff is happening. Um, but I think that when an organization like MLGW gets to a certain size, they, they, they get this not my job thing. Like back to the pipeline for yeah. a second. There are two permits that they have to get. One is from TDAC, which is Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation. And, and that's a permit they have to get to allow them to cross streams. There's a certain way you have to do it. And, and if, you, if, if, if you destroy some wetlands, you've got to put wetlands in somewhere else. You know, we pleaded with TDAC. We said, you know, I, you know, I know this is, this is a aquatic resources alteration permit, but you've got to know that the aquifer's there, you know, mm -hmm. you know, do the right thing. Right. They, they said, we, we, we're only focused on those streams. What aquifer, you know, and then we, that's crazy. Yeah. Then, then the, 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 but the big bad one is, is the, from the Corps of Engineers and it's called nationwide permit 12. And it's, it's a, basically a permit that lets you slash and burn and have imminent domain powers. And and no and very little to no environmental review at all. Mm. And in the nationwide permit twelve, there is a paragraph that says, um, "No crude oil pipeline shall be sited in proximity to a public water intake," which is the mm -hmm. Davis Wellfield. Right. Uh, so. The Southern Environmental Law Center challenged them on that, and uh -huh. so did Congressman Cohen, and and they wrote back this. What well, now I'm calling it the Kindergarten Corps of Engineers letter. It says <laughs> that oh, we were talking about surface water, you know, surface public water, and you know. uh, mm. and so that you know both both of, of the regulators here have ignored the aquifer. So we're telling the city officials now that, you know, it's up to us. I mean, yeah. And that's what the city council, there's a resolution, uh, which more or less says what I just said, mm -hmm. that's on the agenda for Tuesday, um, which we're hopeful will, will, will get passed. And we are also, um, and it's important to note that we're recording this interview on uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's so, Day, and it's snowing. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, but but they, they also, uh, in, in addition to challenging these things, we are also challenging um, the fact that we don't believe that uh, Nationwide Permit 12 really gives them the right to eminent domain. Mm -hmm. uh, so Birch Porter Johnson, the great law firm here, the one that stopped the expressway coming through Overton Park, sure. is teaming up with the Southern Environmental Law Center uh, to challenge those cases 
pro bono wow. for the landowners in South Memphis. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. It is. Um, to back up a step, um, when, when you mentioned that there's a city council um, resolution up for a vote, et cetera, what have been your, uh, besides uh, the Sierra Club, um, how much have, have the municipal governments uh, or, or just governmental bodies um, or non-governmental bodies for that matter, like who have your allies been? And, and now that you've kind of raised this issue, I, I would think that anyone in Memphis who wants Memphis drinking water to stay great uh, and stay protected would uh, would a care about your cause, but b if they were an elected official, it seems like a no brainer to 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 be in support of this. Have you have you found that to be true? Yes, um, we we've had good success with politicians, uh, both at the county commission and at and at city council. I mean, it's 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 kind of hard to be against drinking water. And we've we've tried right. to be careful. Uh, we've tried to keep it apolitical, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as best we can. And uh, it's the the problem comes when the big businesses are trying to get a permit of some sort, and they put all this pressure on the regulators. And a lot of these regulators, you know, I. I remember when we first started going to the groundwater meetings, that the attitude seemed to be so pro-development, which you can understand. You know, everybody's wanting to get business and grow and grow, 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 sure. grow. Um, but it's like, how can we help you get your well dug? You know, um, it, there's no, there's no, you know. Uh, at that time, there was very little discussion about the resource itself. Now that all this has happened, the groundwater board is acting very protective. Um, well, that's a sea change. I yeah. Mean, I, I would, that you all have helped. Have said make to make it. like, it's, it's a sea change, but it's not enough. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, you know, no one on the groundwater board is paid. They have no budget. They can't even get a consultant, you know? Right. Um, and, and that, you know, whatever entity, comes out of this that's going to be in charge should be paid by those who take water out of the ground for free. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we I just see that. can't have yeah. free water anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that it needs to be expensive and we don't, we don't want to lose business, but what gives Wesson oil now owned in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, the right, to come here and take water that belongs to you and me mm-hmm. for profit. It's you a great know? question. It's a great question. And it's yeah. like, and, and, it's and they just, aren't the only one. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, 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 there's some really big water users here. Um, and we had lunch with, we, um, we, we somehow became friendly with them. Um, I think they were expecting to start having to pay for water. And we went to lunch and we had kind of worked out on a, on the back of a napkin, you know, how much it would cost them. And, and they, they didn't fall out of their chair, mm-hmm. you know, 
And if you're not paying for it, you're not going to conserve it. I mean, there's there's no yeah. to 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 conserve. That's true. And, and there's I'm no cost. You're just bankrupting yeah. Western oil. I don't want to do that. There's a of course not. You know they they you know I remember they they on the on the conference call that we had on this with the with the groundwater board and and Wesson, um, you know, it, it was a big Zoom call, you know, and they had people on from Canada. They were really worried that, you know, oh my God, we're not going to get this permit and we're going to have to close the plant down or something. Uh-huh. And we're not trying to close the plant down, but you just can't use that kind of water uh, without conserving it and doing everything you can to, to take care of it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's all, it gets back to sustainability. It's not, it's not a matter of don't use the resource. It's just, you have to use it re- uh, sustainably. And and if you have to set parameters around that such that you value uh, the resource uh, and treat it with respect, um, you know, you, you, they have to do that in, or, in order to respect it. Um, is is the um, is this a matter of the that these adjudicating bodies, the the groundwater board, is that what it's called? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, it, it, it's 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 technically called the Shelby County Groundwater Quality Control Board. Mm-hmm. Is this a matter of like when they were founded, they were probably properly funded, and that over the years their their funding was just siphoned away such that they have these laws that they don't have the staffing to 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 deliver on. To me, the way it was, the the uh, well, let me, let me back up a minute. Um, Shelby County has the right to have a groundwater board as as an exception from the state of Tennessee. I mean, huh. our groundwater board is here by exception. We are one of oh, the counties in the state that has a groundwater board, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think the way the mindset and, and back in the day when they when they started, I mean, those were great days. That was when the Clean Water Act was passed and, mm-hmm. and you know, the EPA was formed and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, they just never uh, like, for example, there there is a uh, 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 paragraph in the founding document which says that you can charge a conservation fee which would uh, then go to fund the management and monitoring of the aquifer. Well, they're not doing that. Huh. And, and they said, you can also, uh, each, each, each municipality in, in Shelby County will also pay 50 cents per meter, you know, for the 50 cents for the meter on your house, on my house, mm-hmm. Um, to to Shelby County to pay for this. Well, that hasn't been increased in 30 years and wow. they haven't recounted the meters. It's still the same number of meters, you know? So there's, it sounds like there's money to be, to be gleaned. It's just, they don't even have the staffing to, I guess, to worry with it. Is that the problem? Uh, I think that uh, there's no one uh, so far there has been no one willing 
to pick up that ball and run with it. Because you're going to yeah. have to go around to Germantown, Collierville, Millington, and so forth, and, and get them to buy into it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we're a lot further down that road than we were, you know, because right. the people understand. Um, and, and the only ones that would that seem to be dragging their feet are those that are are pro development at any cost. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess that's really honestly the, the the definition of a cause is 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 something that's not being done that needs to be done, and the people who are called to champion the cause are the ones who can't help themselves but to champion it. It's like you know, it's it's not the lost causes are not lost because they can't be seen. It's that I think, and sometimes that's the case, but in many cases they're seen as being too hard to address. So they're left unaddressed until the right mix of people kind of like the kind of alchemical mix of, of passionate people around an issue says, by gosh, <laughs> we got to go do something. Um, and, 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 and that, that, that group of human beings is, is, uh, is you all. Um, so it might be, we can sit here and say, well, the way the world ought to work is thus and so. And then, you know, th this, this ought to be the charge of MLGW for whatever reason it's not, or, or it's not out, it's not in lived, lived out practice, even if it's in some bylaws. So it took you all stepping up and saying, I got this one. Uh, and I know the first, uh, time I got to kind of really wrapping my mind around y'all set of issues was at the uh, cocktails for a cause, <laughs> you know, uh, at, at the fish's house. Um, and, uh, and, and I was, it, it's in a way it's, it's, it's fairly easy to grasp uh, for a person who is like, Oh, well, why does this matter? Oh, it becomes kind of obvious right away. Um, but gosh, I certainly appreciate the, the kind of deeper backstory now that we've had a chance to talk. So, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, what what is um, I, I guess the biggest thing on y'all's agenda uh, in the near term uh, is this Memphis City Council vote. But 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 what are some other like things on your immediate uh, trajectory that are that are really coming in hot and heavy, or that you're focusing on? Well, we we are um, you know in uh, we're continuing to be a watchdog um, and we're still as I mentioned earlier we're we're very much involved in watching TVA's actions um, with regard to the cleanup of this coal ash and that that's done properly we are also uh, we have teamed up with two other nonprofits um, to sue TVA uh, and challenge their use of these 20-year perpetual never-ending contracts that mm -hmm. we think uh, disincentivizes TVA from going to more sustainable power. Uh, and there's no incentive in there for, you know, there are 20-year contracts and, and they renew every year. And you have to give 20 years notice to get out. Oh, well, interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so we're, we're challenging that in federal court right now. It's, uh, 
I think there's a hearing coming up this month on it. Um, and um, we've got other is issues like uh, uh, we we fought this carrier, uh, you know, injection well last year that was in Collierville. Uh, and there was a one heck of a contamination issue in Collierville. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, uh, there were two plants uh, across the street from each other, Carrier, which is still operational, and this plant called Smalley Piper. Well, uh, Carrier had a, a series of uh, perk spills. And in Collierville, you know, the, there is no protective clay layer. Anything that goes into the ground is in the aquifer. Mm -hmm. So there's TCE in the aquifer there, and they had to close down their uh, public water station number two, mm. which was supplying, you know, drinking water to the public. Now um, that same well field has turned into a remediation site. They're uh, they're actually using the pumps to pull water out, take the TCE out, and then send it to the uh, to the uh, send it down the sewer. And TCE uh, stands for what again? Trichloroethylene. Gotcha. I think I got that right. Uh -huh. <laughs> it, it's uh, nickname is is PERT. It's it it's sort of it, it's 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 a cleaning solvent that's used in factories. It's it's not unlike dry cleaning fluid. And and I see. And and so uh, anyway, across the street, it's Smalley Piper that was like a metal plating company and they had dug ponds of that, that they poured um water contaminated with chromium six in there oh, and man. so what's happened is um uh, now the chromium six is getting mixed in with the tce at carrier and so Carrier wants to, instead of sending their water to the, uh, you know, wastewater treatment plant after they've cleaned it for TCE, they want to re-inject it into the aquifer. But mm. We, mm. we know that it's now got chromium-6 in it. So what, do you, what uh -huh. you're telling me is you want to you pull this water out of the ground, you know, take out one contaminant and then shoot it back in the ground. And the plumes, you, you should. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like the blob. I mean, it's right in the middle of downtown Collierville, and and they're you know they're probably a a, a mile in diameter, something uh -huh. like that, maybe three quarters of a mile. And and it, it's, once again, it it, it it defies the common sense test, you know. And they had some heavy duty consultants. Uh -huh. We were saying how what a great idea this was, and um, we had to hire a hydrologist. He said this is a cockamamie idea, and they mm -hmm. backed off. But we know they're waiting to come back. Um, yeah, so it, there's always something like this. There was a. Um, it's insidious, really. You know, like you all are on guard to protect against so many things, and it sounds like everyone is really just, I mean, navigating by self-interest. Uh, they're, they're, um, it's, it's very much a limited view. No one's taking the long view. Um, there's, there's nobody in charge. That's the problem. 
Um, <laughs> so there's a whole list of things like that that we're on, and um, and we're we're trying to raise some funding so we can get a a um, uh, full time executive director. Right now we have a part time executive director mm -hmm. who is by his good heart putting in probably 60, 70 hours a week. Oh, uh, wow. Hey, I'm sorry. Who is that? I should know that. Jim Kavarik. Okay. And That's he's right. really, really good. Uh, and we, he, he said he would do it for a year and we, we have to raise some money to get a real, uh, you know, someone who wants to be full-time and probably mm -hmm. some support staff. Uh, we're, we're so, so fortunate to have, the assistance of the Southern Environmental Law Center um, sure. that gives us our teeth. Uh, and I should say also on this pipeline issue, there's a new group that has emerged that we have partnered with called MCAP, which stands for Memphis Community Against the Pipeline. Mm -hmm. And they have a young leader named Justin J. Pearson. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, this guy is on fire. Wow. And we sort of made him, we sort of gave him and said, man, you're the spokesman for the, uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's a young, uh, uh, Barack Obama on steroids. Uh, he can give a speech. Wow. And, and, uh, and he's passionate and they're out, they're out going house to house today in the snow, passing out flyers. They're Amazing. Do a, uh, a march on Tuesday from the civil rights museum to city hall. Uh, wow. You know, it does. Movements do take all types and different. Like the one thing that I've come to really appreciate with, you know, six plus years of, of Coliseum uh, advocacy is that all sorts of different sensibilities come to the, the different different people who have a kind of a, a common denominator passion, uh, but they bring different, you know, professional skill sets like, you know, so I. I'm the PR guy, spokesman, you know, so I know how to have the relationship with the media and pitch the stories and go on TV shows. Uh, but I'm really terrible with charts and graphs, but <laughs> that's okay. You know, like we've got a preservationist architect, Chooch Pickard, who's like can get out the maps and make the calculations. So it really is any cause draws a diversity of, of talent sets. Um and I, and I, can, I have to imagine you see that as represented in your board and, and then as, as, as across other organizations with whom you're partner with which you're partner. Yeah. You know, you know, on the Coliseum, uh, uh, I think one of the big successes there is that it, it's still standing. Uh, well, true. <laughs> all the people who wanted to tear down. And I have a, I have a similar story. I'll tell you real quickly. Um, in, in 1989, I was reading the book Sweet Soul Music one Sunday afternoon, uh, which is a book about uh, stacks. And, I, you know, I grew up in East Memphis as a kid. And, it, you know, later in the day, stacks moved over to Union Extended. And I would always see that sign. I said, well, that, well that's where stacks is. So I'm, I'm deep in the book, and all of a sudden there's a picture of it and uh, it says it's on Macklemore. I said, Macklemore, hmm. So I, I got in the car and I drove over there and there it was, you know, just like it, just like in the book. And I just, you know, once again, uh, I, hit, I hit myself in the head and said, Ward, how did you not know this was here? And two days later, I'm 
I have on the late news and there's a piece on the Stax Museum and it says that it was uh, it was going to be demolished today, but it was it was it, it, it was stopped because there was a leaking gas main. I said, oh, my God. Next wow. morning, I'm up at five o'clock. I'm in my car. I just got in one of those car phones, you know, that's like cell phone that's like mounted in the car. Yeah. And I went over Old there and parked in front of there and I called everybody in the city. I mean, everybody. I called Jack Soden at Graceland. I kind of tried to get the mayor on the line. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Henry Turley. Uh, finally, Lynn Sittler came over and she had talked to Carl Sledwitz and he suggested that we that we file a court injunction you know get a, get a stop work order so uh about two o'clock and, and this whole that the clock is ticking while mlgw is there fixing the gas bank you know and the bulldog is ready to crank back up wow so we go we go down to the courthouse and carl marches in and says your honor and he gives us great speech about this is the home of this and that and all these hits and and he goes approved you know <laughs> And so um, we stopped it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, if I knew now what I, or if I knew then what I know now, I, I probably wouldn't have sued the Church of God in Christ, but I didn't know who the heck it was at the time. And right. so we had a public debate, you probably remember this, lasted a couple of weeks. And in the, um, what what came out of it was, okay, we're going to tear it, go, we're going to go ahead and let it be torn down. We're going to save the facade and we're going to put the facade into the, um, uh, the Pyramids Great American Music Museum. And, yeah, I knew that part about it. And, yeah. and there was going to be $10,000 given to Lamo and Owen and 10000 to the Church of God in Christ. There was a press conference and then it was gone. And then like a month later, they put up a historical marker, hysterical marker, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and, and then, so I thought, well, you know, maybe, you know, I, I, I can remember sitting there trying to imagine a tour bus coming mm -hmm. down Macklemore. And um, 10 years later, what happens? Mm -hmm. It's built back. So at least right. it's not worn down. Well, no, that that's right. Um, you know, so I, I, and I, it, I'll stop myself because, like, the, the, That's the, a the, the, the spokesman for the, the Coliseum can quickly get to talking about the Coliseum. But essentially, um, that is what gave rise to the Coliseum Coalition was crisis. And, and I see that as, as, as a similar animating agent uh, with Protect Our Aquifer. It's like you saw something that was a crisis point that you had to spring into action. So, you know, the Coliseum Coalition was definitely birthed out of crisis and we built the plane and the runway all at the same time uh, because there was a plan uh, to uh, the TDZ pursuit to uh, to and which called for the demolition of the Coliseum. Now, thankfully, the TDZ law required that um, that you have the support of local government. And we were able to uh, restaurateur Taylor Berger and I uh, organized uh, the uh, uh, Fairgrounds Forum early 2015 uh, and we got um, Commissioner Mark Billingsley and Commissioner Reginald Milton to speak from the stage 
and expressed their reservations about whether, you know, and they, they said, we need more information. That was really just enough. Uh, and the media that we that we got around that, that was really just enough to cast enough doubt in the, in the minds of the county commission that they pulled the resolution in support of the TDZ pursuit from their agenda. And therefore, um, uh, the administration at the time had divided government back home and they knew they couldn't go to Nashville to pursue it. Uh, and then it was just a matter of, it was a, it was a campaign of ideas that largely was, 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 uh, waged in, um, in 2015, but, and it's just extrapolated beyond that. And to your point earlier, where you were saying like, you thought we'd show up, we'll call a couple of plays and be like, oh, well, that takes care of that. Um, but it's never that easy. You know, people who champion a cause have to dedicate themselves. They don't realize it at the outset to the long, slow slog. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets bigger and bigger with us. Just, I know, but yeah. but but as you've outlined it, and and the, all the different tethering points, and the way that it shoots off into all these other issues, uh, all around water, and, that, and that's such a basic need. And and like as human beings, we we need water to live. Um, so I, I just profoundly re- respect the hard work that, that that you all are doing, and I know that it takes a whole lot of people rowing in the same direction. And, um, is there anything you'd want to uh, speak to Ward that I didn't maybe think to ask that, that's uh, about your work? Well, um, yeah, there's one thing I, I just wanted to say that we get a lot of inquiries of people who want to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, right now we're asking people to, to write letters and call, uh, call their, you know, representatives. Um, but another thing they can do to show their support is to put up a yard sign. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, those have been really helpful. And we try to get them. <laughs> Anybody who lives near a politician, you're so oh, right. <laughs> so um, if, if, if they'll just send them, just go to our website, protectouraquifer.org, mm-hmm. and uh, you can ask for a sign there, and we'll get one out to you. Uh, Great. And that leads far. me to my. Go, go. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. You know, you know, I said no charge. If you want to make a donation, make a donation, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll bring you one whether you do or not. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And that leads me to my kind of like kind of traditional wrap up question is just like, where can people go uh, to find out more information about protect our aquifer and your work? Well, um, probably the most active place is, is to join our Facebook group. Uh, Mm-hmm. It, it's over 3000 people now, but there's, there's daily activity on there. Um, we also have a website, protectouraquifer.org, and we, we keep it updated as well. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a library on there with a lot of data and scientific documents and, and, and things. Uh, if people want to learn more about the aqua, that's a good place to go. In fact, you can you can get the Supreme Court case from there, and uh, all the USGS studies for Shelby County, and um, just just a lot of information. Yeah, it's a lot to dig into. Um, well, I know I'm glad that that uh, I mean it's worth digging in for anybody, uh, but I but I I uh, I'm glad that that someone that a group of people are on the case uh, more full time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I hope you'll keep it up and 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 uh, and uh, 
yeah, just, just profound respect. And, and hopefully the people will listen to this podcast episode. And, and I, and I know that, that, uh, uh, that I've learned a, a great deal from our conversation. So thank you. Well, I've really enjoyed it and, uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. All right. Well, thank Ward. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for listening. Champions of the Lost Causes podcast is a production of the OAM Network, available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and at the OAMnetwork.com. I'm your host, Marvin Stockwell, produced by Gil Worth and J.D. Rieger. Logo and design by the OAM Network. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm on Twitter at, at Marvin Stockwell. Keep up with the latest at championsofthelostcauses.org. The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast.